0: Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at encounterchurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchVR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message.
1: Wow, put your hand on your heart quickly. No hands up. Hands on the heart. Let's pray today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be in your house. God, it's great to have fun in the house too because God, Sunday should be fun day. It should be the best day of the week, God, as we start our week off right, God, honoring you with everything. And God, I pray, God, that you would touch every heart and life that came into this building today, that they would not leave here the same, but you would touch them by your power and your anointing in Jesus. Name. Come on, shout amen in the hat. Come on, high five two people around you and say, don't smack that popcorn. Don't smack that popcorn. Don't smack that popcorn. Come on, I I love this series, ATM at the Movies, because I I believe this. It's amazing what we can see and learn if we'll just look. That God can use unlimited sources to speak truth into our lives. And God's even going to use a movie today. I had someone on Wednesday night came up to me and said, Man, Pastor, thank you so much for your message last Sunday on the Grinch. I never realized that the cat lady who lives next door to me was the person that I needed to reach out to. I, I didn't care for her. She was kind of weird and crazy and I kept my distance. But God really challenged me during the message that she needs Jesus too. And I pray that was the challenge for every one of you. That you've been challenged this week to reach out. We haven't had another great night on Wednesday night talking about Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Twelve people gave their hearts to Christ on Wednesday night, and we're so thankful for that. And and that's what it's all about. And we talked about how we need to let our lights shine out to other people, and stop apologizing for the hope that we have inside of us, and realize our differences. Are made by a purpose. God made us that way by purpose. And I hope you're spreading the word and inviting everyone you can. And we've made it easy for you. We've got some cards or tickets that we have available. Please take these. Give them out to everyone you can. When you're going through the drive through give it one to one of the ladies or the men in the window and say, hey, I've got a movie ticket for you. Come to church. Give them out. Invite everyone. Who's been inviting people and bringing them to church? You need to spread the word. Why? Because people may not come to church, but they'll come with you to the movies. And so we just want that. So today we're going to look at a Christmas classic. We're going to look at the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. It was actually released in 1946 and it started as a flop. It wasn't a success, but it's grown now to be one of the great classics that we see. But it's almost like the story. It doesn't start so well, but it ends on a high. And I love the title, It's a Wonderful Life, but notice it doesn't say It's a Perfect Life. It doesn't say that it will be an easy life. It doesn't say that you will have a life devoid of challenges and oppositions. It doesn't say it will be smooth sailing all your life. We would like that kind of life, but that's not life. Anyone know what I'm talking about? But it does say it's a wonderful life. Why? Because through the process, say with me process. Come on, say it better than that. Process. In England, we would call it process. Through the process, what do we see? We grow, we develop, and we learn. We can learn to say that counted all joy, Paul says, when you fall, or James says, when you fall into trials. Why? Because he realized through the trials and the tribulations, through the process, we can come out on the other side better. That's why it's a wonderful life. And it's great to be reminded of Psalms 30, verse 5. It says, for his anger lasts only A moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may endure through the night, but joy comes in the morning. When we read a verse like that, many times all we see is that God's anger and the sorrow and the pain and the weeping through the night, and we forget his favor and we forget his joy that he wants to bring through what? Weeping may endure through the night, but joy, through the process. Joy is coming. So what can be the sum total of all the circumstances and situations of our life? We can throw our hands in the air and say it's a wonderful life because we serve a wonderful God. So what's our goal today? We have a goal for these movies, each and every one of them. And here's our goal for today. For you to see and to discover, the next slide please, the plan and the purpose for God for your life. God's plan and purpose. That's our goal. We want you to realize today that God has a plan and God has a purpose for our life. Why is that? Because God wants us to know it so we can commit our lives to his future, to his design and not to ours. You know the biggest fight that you'll have? It's not with your spouse. The biggest fight's not with your kids. It's not with your boss. It's not. It's not even with yourself. You know. Well, it really is. You know, the biggest fight you're going to have is between your will and God's will, between your plans and what you think should happen in your life and what God has purposed and planned for your life. I remember as a kid growing up, when I was young. Here's what I thought: my parents were sent to this earth just to make my life miserable. That's the truth. It seemed like everything I wanted to do, I couldn't do, and I couldn't be here, and I couldn't hang out with this person, and I had to be home at this time. Man, it was like miserable. What's up? What's up? What's up? But the older I get, the more I realize they weren't ruining my life. They were fashioning my life, preparing my life for the purpose that God had for me. It's amazing the differences that we can see. And how do we get to that place where it's not our way, but it's God's way? How do we see He's not a bad parent, a bad God, but yet He's fashioning and forming our life? Here it is through relationship, through getting to know God. And as we get in relationship with Him, we will fall into His plan and His purpose As we'll begin to understand his heart, his love. My parents weren't mean, they loved me. We begin to understand the design that God has tailor-made just for you. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but God's purpose will prevail. We have many plans. I want to be this, I want to be that. Many plans in our life. But what's the plan? What's the purpose that lasts forever? God's. Look what it says from the Message Bible. It says, We humans keep brainstorming options and plans. We keep brainstorming. We've got all the options and all the plans, but God's purpose is the one that will prevail. Here's another great scripture for you. Ready? Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a pathway before each person that seems right. Seems right. It feels right. It has to be right because I'm happy. Hold on a second. But is that the goal for my life? It has to be right because it fits me. It's my dreams, my plans. It feels right. It, it's, but where does it end? Ends in death. Man's plans end in the wrong destination. God's plans prevail and His purposes last forever. You see, here's what you've got to realize. God doesn't want you happy. God wants you holy. We think, oh, well, as long as I'm happy, then God's got to be in it. Happy ness is dependent upon happenings so if the right happenings are happening then i'm happy but if the right, wrong happenings are not happening, then I'm not happy. God's not interested in our happiness. He wants us to be holy. What is that? Living a life for Him, pleasing Him, serving Him. Because when we live like that, He says, I want to give you a joy inside of you that no matter what's happening around you, there will be an inner fortitude that will keep you smiling, that will keep you hopeful, that will keep you full of faith and trust and, and believing God. He didn't say it would be easy, but He said, I'll be with you. And so we've got to realize there's choices that we make, my plans or God's plans. And we can't be happy in the wrong plans forever. But we can be fulfilled in God's plans forever. Maybe today you're even on the wrong pathway. Maybe you didn't even almost plan to be here, but someone brought you along. They tricked you into coming to the movies and you're here. Maybe you're on that wrong path that leads in death. And I'm not talking just about a physical death. As tough and as hard as that is going to be. You know, it's like Pastor Jerry says, I'm not worried about dying. Just the way I'm going to die could kind of scares me just a little bit. But it's more than a physical death. It's a spiritual death. And a spiritual death is an eternal death forever. A physical death, we die on this earth. But an eternal death is forever because we're either going to live in heaven or we're going to live in hell. And if you're on that wrong pathway today, you're in the right place because we have hope today in Jesus. Why? Because God's plan is there for you. Take a look.
2: I owe everything to George Bailey. Help him, dear father. Joseph Joseph. Jesus and Mary, help my friend, Mr. Bailey. Help my son, George, tonight. He never thinks about himself, God. That's why he's in trouble. George is a good guy. Give him a break, God. I love him, dear Lord. Watch over him tonight. Please, God, something's the matter with Daddy. Please bring Daddy back. Watch over him hello joseph trouble looks like we'll have to send someone down a lot of people asking for help for a man named george bailey george bailey yes tonight's his crucial night you're right we'll have to send someone down immediately
1: the power of prayer the power of prayer You're probably here today because someone prayed for you. In fact, I can probably guarantee that you're here today, that you are safe and well today because of the power of prayer. You see, often we want, often what we cannot see is more important and powerful in our lives than what we think we can see. You'll never know and see the prayers that have been offered up to you and for you. The people who have taken time out to go to God on your behalf. But I can guarantee you this, something happened as a result of that prayer. And something always happens as a result of prayer. You may never know all the accidents that you were spared from. That car that was destined to come into your lane, but someone prayed for you that day and God intervened right at the last moment. Miss Nancy and Dan had told me the story years ago, but they they were driving down the street with all of their kids in the car, and all of a sudden, Mr. Dan felt impressed just to take a sharp right, and he was like, why? And he took that sharp right, and when he did, a car went flying by and would have just knocked right into the side of them, and they had all their kids and family in the car. We never know the things that have been stopped, the attacks of the enemy that have been silenced. And the situations that have turned out now in our favor because of the power of prayer. In the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey is going through a rough time. And the prayers have been offered up to him. The beginning of the movie is really the end of the movie. As prayers have been sent up for him. And it reminds me of a story from the Word of God from 2 Kings chapter 6. We read of Elisha. Elisha is God's man. He's God's prophet. He's the mouthpiece of God. God speaks through him. But because of his message and what he has spoke, he now has a, uh, there's, there's a price on his head. The king of Assyria wants to destroy him, because he's trying to wipe out the people of Israel. and everywhere he sends his armies, they're waiting for him. He's like, "Man, there's got to be an informative in our camp. There's got to be a spy in here. What's happening? Everywhere that we go, they know, and they're prepared and they're ready. And someone said, "No, it's no one in our camp. it's someone in their camp. His name is Elisha. So what's the plot? The plot is this. A king that hated Israel, he hated God's people. He wanted to wipe them out, but he couldn't because of Elisha. So he decides, well, here's how I'm going to be successful. I need to remove Elisha. So he sends all of his army and it surrounds the city where Elisha is living. And in the morning when they wake up, Elisha's servant goes out. And as he's preparing, he looks and he sees all around him as far as he can see. He sees armies that are surrounding the city. And he goes into panic mode. Have you ever been in panic mode? What are we going to do? Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Look at the prayer that Elijah, Elisha prays in 2 Kings six sixteen and 17. He says, don't be afraid, Elisha told him. For there are more on our side than there are on theirs. Then Elisha prayed. Please note his prayer. He didn't pray, God, remove the enemy. He didn't say, God, take out the circumstance that I'm facing right now. Because he prayed something greater than that. And the prayer that he prayed is, O oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Come on, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. That's where this song comes from. Come on, when the enemy comes all around you and you think there's no hope, there's no way out. But look again, allow your eyes to be open. What a great prayer. Because if God removed every circumstance and situation from our life, we would be so weak, we wouldn't have faith to be able to trust and believe in Him. But we've got to see through the enemy. We've got to see through the attack and through the circumstances and see that there is power in prayer. And this is how I fight my battle. How do I fight them? Through prayer and prayer. Praise. Seeing God despite the situation. And that's what prayer allows me to do. It allows my situations to be handed over to God. Not always the greatest situations, way out of my control, but never out of the control of God. Those of you who have been in the church for a number of months, you'll know that we've openly talked about some of the struggles that we've been going through in our family with our children and just the It seems like the enemy's been attacking us in our home in every which way we possibly could imagine. And I remember one day, it was actually, we were getting ready for church on a Sunday morning, and it was just a real tough time. And I remember Kelly was in there, and Kelly said to me, you know what, I just want to quit praying. I just want to quit praying. And we began to talk about that. She said, it seems like the more we pray, the greater the struggle and the greater the attack. Now, she wasn't saying we're going to stop praying. She just was discouraged at that moment. And we all get discouraged during those times. And, and, and that's why, because our feelings and our emotions want us to feel that way. Because in the natural, we're praying and it's getting worse. In the natural, it looks like we're surrounded and not by God, but by the enemy and it's closing in. And we've got hardly been able to breathe. And man, it can really discourage you. But think about what prayer is. Prayer is interceding. Prayer is standing in the gap for that person. And that's why we've got to keep praying. What did we learn last week from last week's message? Here's one of the points. A reaction is a response to something. So if the enemy is responding, it's to affect your reaction. If the enemy's trying to steal something from you, it's because what? Just come up here. There's something to steal. Come on, listen to me. If the enemy's trying to steal something from you, it's because there's something to steal. Come on, give me all your stuff. You should know it by now. Did it at nine o'clock. Look at this. The enemy wants to come and he wants to take everything. The enemy wants to take everything from him. Just say for argument's sake, I took his shoes, I took his tie. I took everything from him and I walked away. What have I just done to him? I've robbed him, taken everything from him. Now, here's the question. Would I come back 10 minutes later to rob him again? No, I wouldn't. Why? Because I've already... Whoops, something fell in there, Josh. I wouldn't come back. Listen to me. I wouldn't come back again to rob him again because I've already... So if the enemy's coming to rob you again, it's because he hasn't stolen everything from you. And there's still something that you have. And you know what that is? That faith and that ability inside of you to keep trusting God no matter what. Come on, if there's something to steal, that's why you're under the attack. But it may feel like I'm surrounded. Come on, someone needs to hear that today. That was worth just coming to church for, just for that. What does circling buzzards mean? Circling buzzards mean there's fresh meat somewhere. If the enemy's trying to discourage you and to try and stop you from praying for your kids, to try and stop you from believing for your miracle, to try and steal from you and take your joy, why is that? Because there's some joy to take. There's some kids to steal. There's some things to happen. So guess what? If he's coming against you, that means there's still something to keep fighting for. And to keep praying for and keep believing for. I don't have this on the screen, but if you're taking notes in church, write this down. The greater the struggle. Come on. Come on, the greater the victory. The greater the reward. The greater the testimony that's going to come. The enemy's fighting hard. Why? Because there's going to be a great victory. And we've got to keep trusting and we've got to keep praying. Man, I could preach that all day long. What? what Prayer changes everything. And part of that everything is actually you. You are a thing too. Prayer can change you. Quit praying for everyone else. And pray for you first. Because when you change, every situation and circumstance changes too. So we see what? Prayer changes our lives. Remember when you were young and how your life started? Remember how you thought and felt life was perhaps going to look? Take a look.
2: I like him. You like every boy. What's wrong with that? Here you are. Help me down. Help you down. Made right up your mind, Jeff? I'll take chocolate. Coconuts? I don't like coconuts. You don't like coconuts? Say, Brainless, don't you know where coconuts come from? Look at here. From Tahiti, the Fiji Islands, the Coral Sea. A new magazine. I never saw it before. Of course you never. Only us explorers can get it. I've been nominated for membership in the National Geographic Society. Is this the year you can't hear on? George Bailey, I'll love you to the day I die. I'm going out exploring someday. You watch. And I'm going to have a couple of harems and maybe three or four wives. Wait and see.
1: Help us, Jesus. (laughs) Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. The problem is we have plans too. George had plans. His plans was to travel the world. He wanted a harem. He wanted three or four wives. God bless his soul. But what do we know about God's plans? They are plans for good and not for a disaster. To give you a future and to give you a hope. What's the difference between our plans and God's? God's plans have a future and a hope. Our plans can never guarantee us that. God doesn't say go your own way and do your own thing and you're going to prosper. But God sure says that my purpose and plans will prevail. Go my way. Follow my instruction for your life. Remember when you were young and you had the dreams of being something. Well, my dream as a kid was this. I wanted to be a professional football player, real football that you use your feet with, not just American (laughs) football. You all call it soccer over here. It's football. And I remember, man, I had it all mapped out. I was going to be this, and I was going to be that, and Kenny Dalglish was my hero. I even wore the same number as him, number seven. Man, it was going to be awesome. Life was great. Here's my plans. It's done, and this is what it's going to be. What did you want to be? Anyone remember what your plans were? Anyone remember your plans? Come on, three, two, one, and we're going to shout them out. you ready? Three, two, one. Okay, that was like half of us. Someone said librarian. Someone say librarian. Come on, that's awesome. That's cool. Ready? Three, two, one. Awesome. How did that go? How did that go? Are you living that dream? Are you living that plan? As you can see, I'm not a professional soccer player right now. But you know what? I'm living the plan and the purpose for God. And it's great to have plans, it's great to dream dreams. Because what we're going to see in this movie is this. George sure was a big dreamer. Take a look.
0: I don't want one for one night. I want something for a thousand on one night. With plenty of room here for labels from Italy and Baghdad, Samarkand, Great big, sir. I see a flying carpet, huh? Yeah, I don't suppose you'd like this old secondhand job, would you? Ah, oh, you're talking. Gee whiz, I could use that as a raft in case the boat sunk. How much is this cost? No charge. That's my trick here, George. Sound like you said no charge. That's right. What's my name doing out of here? A little present from old man Gower. Came down and picked it out himself. He did? What do you know about that? My old boss. I what boat are you sailing on? Well, I'm working across on a cattle boat. A cattle boat? Okay, I like cars.
1: Thanks ever so much for
0: the exactly
1: what I want. Come on, what did George want? He didn't want a small little case. He didn't want something that could just be for a weekend. He wanted something for a thousand and one, a hundred and one days, the biggest suitcase that he could possibly get. Why? Because he needed something that could facilitate and take him to his dreams, the destinations that he had planned for his life. There's nothing wrong with having plans and dreams. I think it's important to have goals and plans for your life because I believe that motivates you. It gives you something to shoot for, and it gives you something to go for. But here's where the problem lies. Are they God's dreams, or are they your wishes? Take a look.
0: Okay, then I'll throw a rock at the old Granville house.
2: Oh, no, don't. I, I love that old house. No, you see, you make a
0: wish and then try and break some glass, and you've got to be a pretty good shot nowadays, too. too oh, no, George,
2: don't. It's full of romance, that old place. I'd like to live in it. In that place? Mm-hmm.
0: I wouldn't live in as a ghost. Now, watch, there's right in the second floor there, see?
2: What'd you wish, George?
0: Well, not just one wish, a whole hatful. Mary, I know what I'm gonna do tomorrow, and the next day, and next year, and a year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet, and I'm gonna see the world! Italy, Greece, the Parthenon, the Colosseum. Then I'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know, and then I'm gonna build things. I'm gonna build airfields, I'm gonna build skyscrapers a hundred stories high, I'm gonna build bridges a mile long. Well, you gonna throw a rock? Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary?
1: What did you wish for? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says these, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, depend not on your own plans, thoughts, and dreams, but seek God's will in everything that you will do. And then God will what? Show you the right path to take and make for your life. Is it my plan or is it God's plan? Is it something I want to do? Man, I want to get out of here, George says. And I want to travel the world. And then I'll go to college and see what they know. And then I want to build skyscrapers. And I want to build bridges. He didn't want to live in Bedford Falls. It wasn't big enough. He was a big fish in a small pond. He had all these dreams. He was just being held back. He was just waiting for the right opportunity. And he was gone. He had his suitcase. He was ready. But he had everything saved up for college. But circumstances took a turn, and his father passed away. Take a look.
0: Just a minute, now hold on, Mr. Potter. just a minute. Now, you're right when you say my father was no businessman, I know that. Why he ever started this cheap, penny-ante building alone, I'll never know. But neither you nor anybody else can say anything against his character, because his whole life was... Why, well, in the 25 years since he and Uncle Billy started this thing, he never once thought of himself, isn't that right, Uncle Billy? He didn't save enough money to send Harry to school, let alone me. But he did help a few people get out of your slums, Mr. Potter. And what's wrong with that? Brody, here, you're all businessmen here. Doesn't make them better citizens, doesn't make them better customers. You, you said that they... What did you say just a minute ago? They, they had to wait and save their money before they even thought of a decent home? Wait? Wait for what? Until their children grow up and leave them? Until they're so old and broken down that the? Do you know how long it takes a working man to save $5,000? Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about They do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. Well, is it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him, but to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. Well, in my book, he died a much richer man than you'll ever be. I'm not interested in your book. I'm talking about the building and loan. I know very well what you're talking about. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers on, and it's galling you. That's what you're talking about. I know. Well, I, I, I've said too much. I, you're, the, you're the board here. You do what you want with this thing. There's just one thing more, though. This town needs this measly one-horse institution, if only to have some place where people can come without crawling to potter.
1: Come on The process is part of the purpose. Let that just sink in for a moment. The process is part of the purpose. He had his goals and dreams. He's out of here. Circumstances changed. The process seems to be all wrong. But maybe it's right for the purpose that God had for him. You see, we have our plans and we have our wishes, but they may not be exactly what God has for us. And I believe at some time in our life, we're going to come to that moment where our dreams meet our reality. And we suddenly begin to realize, hold on a second, that's not the way I need to go. That's not the plan. For George, it was tough. The reality was they voted him in and and wanted him to stay and take over his father's business. He was ready. He was done. He was on his way to college. Everything changed. A new pathway for his life was beginning to unfold. And he didn't like it because he had his dreams. He had his plans. This was just a means to an end for him. A stepping stone that he had into his great future. But it sure felt like the world was crashing in around him. Take a look.
0: There she blows. You know what the three most exciting sounds in the world are? Uh Uh-huh. Breakfast is served, lunch is served, dinner. No, 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 no. Anchor chains, plane motors, and train whistle. Peanut. There's the professor now. <laughs> old Professor well, five old George Geographic cowper. Explorer oh, Bailey. American no Pussy dogs, no sleds. Uncle no. Billy, you haven't changed a bit. Nobody ever changes here. Oh, you. Oh, you know Lord. that. I'm <laughs> glad to see you. <laughs> Say, where's Mother? <laughs> She's home cooking the fatted calf. Come on, let's go. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. George, Uncle Billy, I want you to meet Ruth. Hello. Hello.
2: You do Hello. Ruth Dakin.
0: Ruth Dakin Bailey, if you don't mind. <laughs>
2: That's huh? right. Well, I wired
0: you. I had a surprise. Here she is. Meet the wife. Oh, what do you know? Uh-huh. Life. <laughs> well, how do you do? Congratulations. <laughs> what am I doing? Congratulations! Oh, come Harry, then! How are you? Then these two? Why don't you tell oh, somebody? Oh, oh, somebody. This I can't oh, wait nobody to see tells me oh. You really oh. married? Why, you. Hey, what, what's a pretty girl like you doing marrying this two-headed brother of mine? Well, I'll tell you, it's purely mercenary. The father offered him a job. Oh, we got you and the job! Well, Harry's
2: cop running over!
0: Uh, George, about that job, Bruce spoke out of turn. I never said I'd take it. You've been holding the bag here for four years. Well, I won't let you down, George. I would like to... Wait wait a minute, I forgot the bags. I'll be right back.
1: I won't let you down, George. It can be tough when circumstances and situations let us down, but it's even tougher when those closest to, to us seem to crash our dream. I won't let you down. That's his brother. But his brother does let him down. You see, the story goes that George had plans to go to college, but his brother received a scholarship. And so as a result, he allowed his brother to go to fulfill his scholarship to play football and he would stay at home. And then after the four years, then the brother would come back, take over the business. Now, George, he could go and he could fulfill his goals and his dreams. But that all changes. When life changes around you, how will you deal with? With the setbacks of life. Come on. How are you going to deal with the disappointments of life? Because life's going to disappoint you. And if it hasn't yet, keep living. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm super positive. I'm positive it's going to disappoint you. Because that's what's going to happen in our lives. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be disappointments. And for George, it just seemed like it was one after the other after the other. It was a roller coaster of emotions for him. And you know what? When disappointments and setbacks comes, there's two options that we have. We can choose to trust God or we can choose to trust ourselves and others. And what we see first is that George chooses to trust God and he handles the adversity and the challenge in the right way. Take a look.
0: Now listen to me. I, I beg of you not to do this thing. If Potter gets a hold of this building and alone, there'll never be another decent house built in this town. He's already got charge of the bank, he's got the bus line, he got the department stores, and now he's after us. Why? Well, it's very simple, because we're cutting in on his business, that's why. And because he wants to keep you living in his slums and paying the kind of rent he decides. Joe, you had one of those Potter houses, didn't you? Well, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what he charged you for that broken down shack? Here, Ed, you know, you remember last year when things weren't going so well and you couldn't make your payments? Well, you didn't lose your house, did you? You think Potter would have let you keep it? Can't you understand what's happening here? Don't you see what's happening? Potter isn't selling, Potter's buying. And why? Because we're panicky and he's not. That's why. He's picking up some bargain. Now, we, we can get through this thing, all right? We, we've got to stick together, though. We've got to have faith in each other.
1: We can stick together and have faith in each other. That's tough to, that's tough to do when it feels like circumstances are closing in around you. When it feels like your dreams are just crashing all around you. And it feels like the whole world is against you. Having faith to keep going is tough during the disappointments of life. And sometimes it can even be tougher when the disappointments are not because our dreams are bad. But because we screwed up. We messed up. We blew it. The decisions and the choices we made for our life. It was a God dream. It was a God plan. But yet, we messed it up. and, and, And we, oh man... But remember what Christy said. She quoted God's word. I know the plan I have for you. It doesn't say I know the plans I had for you. God says I still have a plan for you. I still have hope for you. But you've got to hold on to faith. You've got to keep trusting. And that can be tough to do. Why? Because look what faith is. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen Yet. You see, faith isn't having it in our hands. Faith is hoping for things. Faith is not seeing it with the natural eyes, but it's believing it. We may still see the enemy around us, but we've got to see God surrounding the enemy. Faith can be tough to do at times. Let's be honest. It's tough. Our faith is tested so many times. It leaves us with a choice, though. What are we going to do? Trust God? Believe God? Or will we sell out? Because that's the second choice, that we go our own way and we try to make it work for ourselves because we're in control, we're in charge, we're going to fulfill our dreams. Take a look.
2: George Bailey, whose ship has just come in, provided he has enough brains to climb aboard. Confounded man, are you afraid of success? I'm offering you a three-year contract at $20,000 a year starting today. Is it a deal or isn't it?
0: Well, Mr. Planner, I... I, I know I ought to jump at the chance, but I... I just, uh, I, I wonder... If it'd be possible for you to give me 24 hours to think it over... Sure, sure, sure. You go
2: on home and talk about it to your wife. I'd like to do that. Yeah, in the meantime, I'll draw up the papers. All right, sir. Okay, George.
0: Okay, Mr. Potter. All right. Oh, no, no, now wait a minute here. Wait a minute. I don't need 24 hours. I, I don't have to talk to anybody. I know right now. And the answer's no, no. You sit around here and you spin your little webs and you think the whole world revolves around you and your money. Well, it doesn't, Mr. Potter. In the, in the whole vast configuration of things, I'd say you were nothing but a scurvy little spider. You,
1: and that goes for you, too. What we've got to realise in life is this, setbacks... Can actually be our setup, or oh, we can go our own way and do our own thing and try to keep fulfilling that dream, like like George did, and he was offered a great deal. He was offered a salary of twenty thousand. Close down that mom and pop building and loan. Get rid of that. Well, I'll give you twenty thousand dollars, and that was a lot of money considering you could buy a house for five thousand dollars back then. But you see, setbacks can be opportunities in disguise. Because that's what a setup is. It's an opportunity in a disguise. It reminds me of the children of Israel that were wandering in the wilderness. That wasn't God's plan for them. In fact, what do we know from the children of Israel? They turned a vacation into a grave. What do I mean by that? They turned a vacation into a grave. It was going to take them less than two weeks to walk into the promised land. It was like a holiday, a vacation. They were going somewhere. But it ended up taken them 40 years. And then in, they ended up dying in the wilderness. Why was that? Look at this. Why? Because they failed to trust and believe God. When things got tough around them, they wanted to do it themselves. Oh, there's giants. There's opposition. There's no way. God says, oh, I've given you the land. You've just got to trust me. But what was the land that God gave them? He didn't promise them a smooth pathway in sailing. And that's the struggle, isn't it? When the pathway to your promise isn't what you imagine and think it's supposed to be. Living for God's not supposed to be like this. How come I'm still struggling? How come we can get disappointed and frustrated so many? We want it to come easy. We want for God to make it smooth sailing, for Him to take care of everything, to handle it all, to give us everything that we want and ever planned. But you've got to remember this. God has another plan. And His plan is not just for today, for you to be contented and fulfilled today. But God's got a plan for your future. Take a look.
2: Oh, good morning, Mr Bailey. Good morning, Horace. <laughs> well, I guess you forgot something. Huh? You forgot something. What? Huh? Well, aren't you going to make a deposit? Oh, so sure, I am. <laughs> well, then it's usually customary to bring the money with you. Huh?
0: Oh, shucks. have <laughs> ah, I... I
2: yeah. Uh, How about that finger there? Huh? Anyway. Bailey. <laughs> Bring me back there. Hurry up.
1: George's uncle has gone to make a deposit of $8,000 and he mistakenly puts it in the newspaper of Mr. Potter. That's everything they had for their business. Without that money, they would have to close. There was no hope, there was no success, there was no future for them. Look at this your attitude determines your altitude. You can look at circumstances. You can say, man, there's no hope now. We're never going to make it out. But the attitude and the response to you have it is so important because it determines how far you're going to go. You can sit there and be defeated and deflated. And you can feel like everything is crashing in and over. And that's actually really why the beginning of the movie begins with prayers being offered up. Because George is desperate. He's in a desperate Situation, He's going to lose everything. Enter stage left, Satan. Anyone know that when we're desperate and we're in struggle, Satan likes to show up? He likes to be there in our room at night. He likes to be in our car with us. He, 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 he emails us. Did you know the devil emails you? Yeah, he uses friends to email you and text you. And, and he'll use every situation. Why? Because he steps in during those times of low faith to try and attack us and to destroy us. But look at this statement, your disappointments can become opportunities. My attitude to them determines how my disappointments can become opportunities. Some of the greatest disappointments of my life have been the platform upon which my life now has been built. Why? Because it's an opportunity for growth. You know why you may say, well, why can't God use something else instead of disappointments? Because he can't get your attention any other way. It's many times through the lowest times of our life when God can get our attention because it's then when we'll pray. It's then when we'll go to church. It's then that we'll cry out to God because other than that, we've got it all under control. We're living the dream. But are we living His dream? Are we living what God has for us? Because He has a great plan and dream for you. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think what we see, what we have, what's there right now. God says, I can do exceedingly abundantly, but it's according to the power that we have inside of us, the power that's ruling inside of us, what we're listening to, the voice that we are following. And we've got to make sure that it's the right power. Because if not, take a look.
2: Well, what kind of security would I have, George? Have you got any stocks?
0: Bond? Real estate? Collateral of any kind? I have some life insurance, $15,000 policy.
2: Yes, uh, how
0: much is your equity in it? $500.
2: $500. And you asked me to lend you 8000 Look at you. You used to be so cocky. You were going to go out and conquer the world. You once called me a warped, frustrated old man. What are you but a warped, frustrated young man, miserable little clerk, crawling in here on your hands and knees and begging for help. No securities, no stocks, no bonds, nothing but a miserable little $500 equity and a life insurance policy. <laughs> You're worth more dead than alive. Why don't you go to the riffraff you love so much and ask them to let you have 8000 You know why? Because well, they run you out of town on a rail. But I tell you what I'm going to do for you, George, since the uh, state examiner is still here. As a stockholder of the building and loan, I'm going to swear out a warrant for your arrest. Misappropriation of funds, manipulation, malfeasance. All right, George, go ahead. Go ahead. You can't hide in a little town like this.
1: <laughs> Maybe your life is worth more for you to be dead. Maybe you're worth more dead than alive. That's what Mr. Potter said. George leaves there and he's contemplating that. That's exactly what he tries to do when Clarence comes along to save his life. You're worth more. well, alive, life from the enemy. The enemy wants to give you no hope. Because your dreams, your future, your plans have been dashed. It's over. There's no. Just take your life. But you know what? There's actually some truth in what the enemy says there. Because maybe you are worth more dead than alive. Because we're so much better off when we die to self. When we die to our plans, to our goals, to our dreams. And then what do we do? Fully surrender. And give our lives over to God. I'm sure David felt crushed and disappointed. He's left in the wilderness with a bunch of stinking sheep. His brothers have gone off to the army to fight. To make a name for themselves. David wants to be there. He wants to be a part of all of that. Even after he's anointed the next king. He's not packing his bags for the palace. He's back with the stinking sheep. In a wilderness. He's frustrated. He's disappointed. This isn't how it's supposed to be. But listen to me, in a wilderness he what? Kills a lion and a bear. One day a lion comes out and it grabs one of the sheep. One day a bear comes out and David with supernatural strength grabs a hold of them and he defeats the lion and the bear. There's not much to do in the wilderness so he becomes such a marksman with his slingshot. Hours after hours he would hit rocks and sticks and he would feel that it was so worthless. What's the point of this? But at least it was something to do. And when he got tired of throwing rocks, he would get his harp out and he'd begin to strum his harp and he'd begin to sing songs and he wrote song after song. You see what David didn't realize that was in the wilderness, he was developing a relationship with God. That God was training him for things that he had no even thought of. What he didn't realize was God was using the times that he felt were wasted. He was using the time when we feel our plans are dashed. Why? Because a lion and a bear that he killed got him the audience with the king. Saul wasn't interested in David until he heard, this is the one who killed the lion and the bear. Bring him to me. And then what else? Because of all that training and endless hours of slinging that rock, what did it do? It meant he hit that giant exactly where he intended to to do it. And because of his relationship and the songs that God had given him through the darkest times of his life, he was able to stand before that giant and say, you can come to me with everything you want, but I come in a relationship to God because I come in the God that I serve. Do you see that the frustrations of life God can actually use and train us to prepare us for exactly where we need to be? Look at this, his disappointments. Prepared him for his next appointments. The disappointments of your life are preparing you. Unfortunately, many don't make it because they cannot make it through the disappointments. They cannot make it through the failures and the, the dreams crashing around them. They cannot forgive themselves. They cannot forgive others. They cannot move on. For many, it's difficult to accept that the past has passed. But you got to put another sling, stone in your sling, guys. Because God has trained you and He has equipped you to bring down every giant that will face your life. Take a look.
2: Clarence! Clarence!
1: Help me, Clarence!
0: Get me back! Get me back, I don't care what happens to me! Get me back to my wife and kids! Help me, Clarence, please! Please, I want to live again. I want to live again. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again.
1: Please, God, let me live again. Proverbs nineteen twenty one: The band can come back. It says many other plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that's going to prevail. Come on, we can have our own dreams. We can have our own plans. But are you living your dream or are you living his purpose? Because I'm telling you, God still has a plan for your life. What did George say? God, I want to live again. The only way that you truly live is through knowing God. Because that's when life truly starts. What do we know about God? God never wastes a pain of your life the pains and the struggles that you're going through, God never wastes those pains. As George falls in love with his community and he realizes his place and how they all rally at the end and they help him and they bring every penny and so much more of the debt that he owed. Why? Because when you live in God's plan and you live in his purpose, God will always come through. And that's why we can say today, he has a wonderful life just for you. Come on, it's a wonderful life. It's not a life devoid of struggles and pains. It's not a life devoid of ups and downs and twists and turns. There's still going to be disappointments and frustrations along the way. But when our life is given and surrendered to God, we're going to make it to the other side. We're going to make it through. And we're going to arrive at our destination. Would you bow your heads all over this place today? It's a wonderful life in Jesus. I said it's a wonderful life in Jesus. I want to say two prayers today. And the first prayer that I want to offer up as every head is bowed is for those that would say, Pastor, I want to live again. I want to live again. The prayer of surrendering your life and giving your life to Christ, making Him the Lord and Savior of your life. Because without Him, we're on a pathway to death and destruction. But with Him, His purpose will prevail in our lives. Remember what we've said about hell. Hell is a place where people go who want to pay for their own sins. God paid the price for your sins. And all you have to do is accept that. I wonder if there's anyone today that you would lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to rededicate my life. My life is not where it needs to be. I want to live again in God. I want to know God. Is there anyone right now that you would lift up your hands? Thank you, sweetheart. Is there anyone else today? Anyone else in the house? Thanking God. We're going to wait just for a few more moments. Is there anyone else? Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Let's stand to our feet all over this place. I'm going to pray a prayer with that beautiful young lady today. But maybe you need to pray that prayer too. And you can pray it and mean it. In front of a chair, in front of you, there's a decision card there. Why not fill that out when you've prayed this prayer, making that decision for God? Trusting God with your life and God with your future. Would you pray this prayer with me all over this place? Say, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you right now that you love me, that you have forgiven me, that your plan is still for me. And dear Jesus, right now, I surrender my life to you. I give everything to you. And I ask right now that you would touch me, that you would change me, That you would make me the new person that I need to be. Jesus, I thank you. And I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If that's you, we've got a Bible for you in the Connect Zone. and If you want more prayer, we'd love to pray for you. But just before we dismiss the service today, just give me a couple more minutes today. And here's what I'm going to ask today. I I really believe this when I was preparing this message. I believe God told me to remind people it's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. It's time to step into the dreams and the plans and the purposes that God's got for you. Come on, it's time to dream again. And if you're ready to dream again, you're ready to see those fulfillment. You're ready just to push through. You're tired of going to the wrong things and turning. You want to trust God like never before again. Come on, they're just going to begin to sing and we're just going to worship. Come on, if that's you, just begin to lift your hands right to God right now. Come on, just begin to surrender that to him. Come on, surrender your thoughts, your plans, your futures.